4: Mets fans, I'm Allison McCaig. Welcome to A Pot of Their Own, a new show from the women of Amazon Avenue. I am joined today by Maggie, Maggie Wiggin and Linda Cervich. Um Today, we're going to talk about a few things. Um, obviously, the most pressing issue on the Mets right now is the Jacob deGrom de- extension or lack thereof, as is the case right now. Um, and we're going to kind of bridge that into a larger discussion about service time manipulation and other labor issues in baseball and then we're going to wrap things up with a couple of fun new segments for you um that we have on the show um so let's just start with uh jacob Degrom, heavy sighing um <laughs> So, we um, are recording this podcast on Friday night, March 22nd, um, and as of right now, Jacob deGrom has still not been extended, despite the fact that nearly everyone else in baseball, it seems, has been extended, and apparently free agency is dead, guys, unless you're a Met.
1: I would right, open it geez. by
4: congratulating the entire planet on their
1: extensions, except for Jacob deGrom.
5: <laughs> the one person who asked for one, too, publicly.
1: Yep, yep. And it's, it's getting like, stark. It's
4: pretty, pretty, pretty stark. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Um, MVP first base, MVP level first baseman, extension for you. Be- best player in baseball, extension for you. AL Cy Young Award winner, extension for you. Other best uh, pitcher in the American League, Chris Sale, extension for you. Jacob DeGrom, not you. No, not you. <laughs> I
1: feel like they're getting. Um... They're getting closer and closer to DeGrom. It's almost like they're triangulating him. Like, no, no, Blake Snell is a little too low. Mm, Chris Sale may be a little too high. Like, they just need to keep extending more and more people till they establish his window as this like $1 range of value.
4: Well, now like, you are
1: exactly $117 million, 472050 cents. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, they're kind of losing their leverage now, too, with all these other figures coming out. Now he knows what he's
0: worth.
4: Yep, the Chris Sale, the Chris Sale extension is what kind of broke me. I think. Yeah. I mean, going into the off season, I was quite optimistic about their ability to extend Degrom. More optimistic than a lot of other people. I was sure. I was like, "Oh yeah, they'll get this done." What they, what the hell did they hire Brody Van Wagenen for if they're not going to do this? Like, that's so what that was my attitude up until maybe like two or three weeks ago, and then like once Degrom was publicly like, "You have until opening day," I was like, "Oh no!" And now like this Chris Sale number just like broke me. I was like, "Yep," because why wouldn't Degrom ask for one hundred and fifty million dollars now? Because Chris Sale got it, and it's basically he should get pretty damn close to it. And I don't know. I just don't feel like. I don't feel like the Wilpons want to match that number. I, and if um,
5: anything, DeGrom should make more. He's been healthier. He has less mileage on the arm.
4: I'm so gonna actually,
1: be... I- I'm going to go at, at, and actually like disagree with that. Not sure. I don't <laughs> love Jacob DeGrom. But, um, he's a year older. Yes. One yeah. year. So he's a year older. And like, um, and he, he's amazing like don't get me wrong Jacob deGrom is the king but Chris Sale has been doing that for longer and it's not that I don't think that deGrom is the is personally more valuable like I would probably take him and his entire kind of um, durability as a whole package I would take Jacob deGrom I'm also biased as hell Mm -hmm. but same. I actually think that that baseball-wide, that that 150 is going to be seen as a hard cap on and that's why I kind of, it makes me feel a little more optimistic, because I feel like having that cap pushes them into a, into a narrower range of conversation. So to me, it's always felt like the, the biggest, um, besides the obvious uh, issue with ownership's general willingness to open the wallet i felt like the biggest immediate obstacle is the ticking timeline um that that it has to be done by opening day and it just seemed like they were really far apart and i'm a little optimistic that this is gonna help push them together a little bit so we'll see that's that's sort of my take on it as of 8:50 tonight
4: <laughs> that's fair yeah. and i i mean like i yeah i i thinking about it that way makes me feel a little better because this afternoon when I first saw the Chris Sale like news drop I was just like ah and I had like a breakdown about it and now maybe like hearing hearing what you're saying and hearing your thoughts makes me calm down a little bit and think about because yeah now his agent DeGrom's new agent not Brody Van Wagenen um can point to that number and be like eh Eh? Like, you know, like this is like what we're targeting and maybe a little bit less because of the fact that Sale does have more of a track record of being elite, not more of a track record, period, but more of a track record of being elite. Um, He is a year younger, but it's less about to me, it's less about the age difference that makes Sale slightly more valuable and more about the extra year of control. Because if I recall, because Chris Sale is also a year younger, he also is Going to be a free agent. Like, is is it is is uh Degrom going to hit free agency sooner than Chris Sale? Is that true? No, it's later. I believe. Yeah, later.
5: I thought so too. It's later.
1: yeah, because Degrom still has this season and next season, and Sale just had this last season left. Right. 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 Okay. Okay. So I think that, and that raises the question of of years, and I I would not be surprised at all to find out if there's a gulf in the negotiations right now that it's over years because for better or worse, DeGrom is hitting the market in theory at an age that is not optimal, especially in the current market where age seems to be a major uh, issue for a lot of, for a lot of the free agents. But it's, I imagine that he's going to want an extension that would take him through basically the entire block of his mid thirties until he's like 35 yeah. or 36. Yeah. Uh, and I imagine the Mets would like to cut that down by a bit. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was going to be the bigger question of how many years past the two that are lined up already. And I, if I had to guess, I would say it's probably going to be for three past those years. If yeah. It's gonna yeah. But, yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if DeGrom is pushing for a fourth because he has every incentive to do that, given where he's going to be hitting the market.
5: And it's always been the Mets track record to kind of cut down on the years. Like, the, they don't sign relievers for long. They don't, like, even with Cespedes, like, they gave him a lot of money, but it wasn't for a ton of years. Well, not, it wasn't like Bryce Harper-like. Like, I don't see them ever handing out, like, a 13-year contract. So I think, yeah, you were right. The years is always going to be a sticking point for them.
4: Yeah. And, I mean, like Linda said, I... To your point, Maggie, about um, him hitting free agency at a non-optimal time as far as his age, as Linda said, he does have far fewer miles on his arm than most pitchers his age. So that does play in his favor. Um, and there is a lot of research out there about, and I've made this point on the site a couple of times, but there's a lot of research out there about elite players and how they don't tend to fit traditional aging curves. Um, and this is, this is a concern that's come up with um, a lot of the free agents this offseason because of the Manny Machado, Bryce Harper conversations about those 10, 12, 13 year contracts about, oh, who wants to give these players that elite players are different. And it's been shown that when you compare them to uh, elite players throughout history of similar caliber, their aging curves are different and their production doesn't slow at the same rate as someone like an Adam Jones, who was a very good player, but not an elite player. Um, And he dropped off at the very traditional aging curve we are now seeing. Um, But the research shows that players who are at an elite level, and I mean, I would call Jacob deGrom at this stage of his career elite, um, don't drop off at the same rate. I mean, may or may not happen. You can never predict for sure. Um, But that makes me optimistic that an extension would be worth it for Degrom because I think he would be productive for the full length of that contract, even if he isn't elite for the full length of that contract.
5: And even if he isn't, like at the end, you gonna you're gonna get your value out of it. Like even if he starts ta- ta- tapering off, like towards the end, who cares at that point? He's right. been well worth his contract up to that point. Yeah,
1: I mean yeah. he'll almost certainly if if they were to extend him at. You know an average of twenty five to thirty million a year, he'd be worth way more than that to start with, so you are if you're looking at the average value he's giving you over the lifetime of the contract then then it's fine then like and all the
5: money coming out he-
4: on
5: top yeah, what, what what did he make this year or last year like seven million around that seven
4: yeah around that was,
5: yeah, so how much was he worth?
4: a lot more than that
1: (laughs) so you got one billion (laughs) dollars
4: yeah and yeah i mean what i think what a lot of fans who are wary of these types of extensions when they say oh no hometown discount and they get upset about that Is What they don't understand is that a lot of this is, you know, payment for services already rendered when you were making league minimum or Mm -hmm. low amount of money in arbitration um, and getting elite caliber production um, as they did out of DeGrom last year. And they obviously got a huge amount of value out of DeGrom when he was pre-arbitration as well. So it's, you know, when you do the math over the full length of his time with the Mets, whether he gets extended or not. He will have been well worth the money that he has been paid.
5: <laughs> like, good for him. Like, why should he take a a discount? Then, he no. But <laughs> he I mean, when...
4: yanked his for... chain around enough. I mean, they he he would have taken they like he would have taken a s a pretty friendly contract if the Mets had extended him in 2015, like they should have. Yeah. Yeah, that was the time to do it. And that's and you know, I say that
1: from the perspective of well, the team should be making should be saving money, but also like they should just pay him what he's worth, <laughs> and he's worth yeah.
4: a lot.
5: Yeah, just stop jerking all of us around and save us all the angst before opening day.
4: Yeah, for real. And I mean, and I've heard the argument also that you know the Mets can't afford to extend to to this expensive contract now because then they won't be able to extend Conforto and Nimo and Rosario and Thor. It's like, why not? Why? Why shouldn't they be able to do both? Well, have you they, looked at their payroll commitments? They they
1: can afford it. <laughs> yeah, they time. can.
4: They absolutely can afford it. These they the narrative that a Jacob deGrom extension precludes a Conforto extension or a Nimmo extension or a Syndergaard extension is nonsense. Yeah, and let's that, just
5: kill that right now. It's dead. That argument's dead.
4: That's nonsense. That's that's something that the Will Wilpons would like you to believe, but it's not true. Um, it, they should be able to do both, and they should do both. Uh, they should be having these conversations with Conforto now, with Nemo now, with Rosario now. Look at the trend across baseball. Pick up on that, Mets. <laughs> realize what's happening.
5: Um, I mean, they can even do it with Pete Alonso now if they really wanted to. <laughs> yeah, sure.
4: It wouldn't be the first. It yeah, one not <laughs> And, you know... I think that, um, you know, Brody Van Wagenen coming in and like trying to change the culture and saying, I'm a player's first GM. I know what it's like to come at this from the player side as a player agent. I'm a player's first GM. Well, put your money where your mouth is then. Because the two things that you can do right now to be a player's first GM are to extend to Grom and to put Pete Alonso on the roster. Those are the things you can do.
5: How much different would you view this offseason, too, if he did those two things? Like, okay, we didn't get Harper, but you know what? They're planning. Like, okay, we have an exciting prospect. Like, it would help kind of build momentum back up if you kind of like, oh, like, you could have done more. But then if they prove that they are, you know, invested in this team, it would kind of change the perspective going into opening day.
4: They certainly would put a lot of goodwill on the part of the fans in the bank by doing those things. Um, um and it also
1: sort of opens up the window which it's still hard to it's it's still hard to feel like the the Mets are completely in a window of contention right yes. this minute but it is more difficult to feel like that window goes particularly far because you've got Conforto with three more years uh presumably Robinson Canó who is killing it will um <laughs> Stop killing it. Eventually, he's a million years old. Uh, so it's just not to say that that a two to three year window is bad. It, it would be nice for the next to have any window whatsoever for a change. But a Degrom extension, especially combined with a legit launching of the Pete Alonzo era, would would put kind of the future more in focus and create a vision of a team that is going to be good and is going to be exciting for a while. And that's something that like, I feel like what, what teams are missing with not extending players and not bringing in free agents for, for long contracts where warranted is that, is that fans want people. They, they, Love the players because these are individuals that we can relate to on a human level and having those same people around for a long time is good for the game and it's good for fans because it builds that that feeling of we're all in this together and it's harder to do that when you're seeing a rotating group of faces changing every year.
5: And I get, like, they say, you know, root for the name on the front, not for the name on the back of the jersey. But it's hard. Like, of course, you're going to have a... Yeah, why not both? Of course, you're going to have a favorite player. Like, of course, when Syndergaard tweets something funny, it's going to make headlines or when he's on Game of Thrones or something. They're allowed to have personalities and you're allowed to relate to them. So that kind of brings you in more and makes you relate to them. So... And then you're going to be crushed if, you know, they leave without, like, just saying, oh, well, we tried, nothing happened. Like, especially for the Mets, like, this is kind of a recurring theme for them. How many of our good players are we going to have to say goodbye to? Like especially over the past few years too. Everyone
1: dies, Linda. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> dies. Yeah, ERBs. <Eat> <laughs> ERBs. <Eat> <laughs> Arby's Time is a flat circle. Check,
5: <laughs> but still, like you know, I mean, they've been traded, saver. Like this is like make a just pick a person and make a commitment for once.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe a player who's a little bit better than Ed Greenpool was.
5: Yeah. I mean, David Wright, yes, but David you know, even that, we need a
4: new David Wright. We
5: need a new David Wright, exactly.
4: Yeah, yeah, there's a big captain-shaped hole that we need to fill with Jacob DeCroft. No pressure, Jake. <laughs> no, 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 j- pressure. no
2: pressure. <laughs> no pressure.
4: No pressure, but yeah, I mean...
2: This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered com. It's
5: my little escape.
2: Now Judy's the life of the party.
5: Oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa take it easy Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumpaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
4: Ch-ch-chumba.
2: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: You know, you can... Again, it's, it's, it's building up the goodwill on the part of the fan base. Because the fan base is going to want to see... Pete Alonzo dingers, they're not going to care about his age 31 season. <laughs> no. like and here's a thought,
5: you can extend him when he's age 31.
4: Tell me yeah. more about these
1: extensions of which you speak.
5: It's like this something other teams kind of do when they find a player they really like. Then yeah. they give him money. Yeah.
4: yeah. But what the Mets shouldn't do is... <laughs> threatened to send Pete Alonso down unless he sends a team friendly extension which is what seemed to have occurred in another uh, for another team in Chicago recently.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounded uh
5: yeah.
1: Ethically questionable. Well, I, you yeah. know um Allison said it to start off the the show free agency is dead maybe. I mean it's that's that's the crazy thing that seems to be coming together is is that all of a sudden there are all these forces working at the same time to discourage players from ever hitting the free agent market, which is supposed to be their time. Like, that was yeah. made for yeah. them. And it's now just becoming so unfriendly that incredibly talented players, I mean, if you look at the, um, the Blake Snell situation, like, um, he's been treated like garbage by the mm-hmm. Rays, and he just signed an extension that is probably seriously undercutting his value, because everything is so uncertain. There could be a strike in the not super distant future, and if he makes it to free agency without you know a strike of some kind, then what would he be looking at bringing in anyway? So it's is free agency dead. Like, there's well,
5: a question. I definitely think things are getting to a boiling point. Like, even Nick Senzel, Senzel's agent for the Reds, like, he issued a statement saying this is seems like service time manipulation since he got sent down. And he made a good point. The Reds are supposedly going for it. And they're not taking one of their best players or one of their best prospects north. Um, you know, there's been talk of strike. I know Kenley Jansen has mentioned a strike. Bro, Even Brody Van Wagenen, um, you know, he mentioned I, last year with Frazier. He may have mentioned a strike. So it seems like things are definitely building up. Their players are getting more vocal. They're using social media to voice their opinions more. So it definitely seems like there's something building. And whether it's going to be a strike or something's coming, either some kind of change. I don't know if it's a strike, but I feel like we're definitely heading towards a boiling point here.
4: I think the only thing that can really be done to fix free agency at this point is to you you gotta you gotta give the teams fewer years of control somehow exactly. over these players. Yeah. Whether that means um, fewer pre-arb years and you just go straight to arbitration and do arbitration for you know say four years or something and then you go to free agency. You just do arbitration year one, arbitration year two. Arbitration year three, arbitration year four, and then you hit free agency, or you know you just shorten the time period between pre arb and arb. You you they have to do something because that's what's breaking it, and then yeah. that's what's driving all of these downstream effects. Um, so you know I think that that something like that has to get done, whether major league baseball will agree to it is another matter entirely. Whether Tony Clark is the appropriate person to negotiate all of these things is another matter entirely. Uh, <laughs> But that's what needs to be done. And I think it's fairly obvious to anyone who's more than a casual follower of baseball that that is the root of the problem.
5: Well, because there was always the imbalance. You get underpaid when you're young and in your prime. And then you're overpaid when you're older and on the decline. So something was always going to give eventually. And I think we're reaching that point. Because now when you're older and on the decline, you just don't get a job.
1: Yep. Or you get a minor league contract, which is a pretty unnerving undercut to this idea of a guaranteed contract. That's always been something that really separates baseball from other sports is that like, you know, you, you have this certainty of a guaranteed contract, but now that's, I mean, the minor league contract is, is not a guarantee of much at all. And it's just kind of a way to, to stash a bunch of, a bunch of guys nowhere I'm um, just burned through them, so right. it's 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 unnerving on a couple of different levels.
5: Again, they're desperate, so of course they're going to take it. So it's something instead of oh, I'm still unsigned, and opening day is a week away.
4: Dallas Keuchel is still unsigned. Craig Kimberl is still unsigned. Hashtag <laughs> this is fine. Well, Hashtag I this think- is fine.
5: Even Neil Walker, I think he said, signing so late last year threw him off. Like, he was out of his routine, and it showed. Like, he didn't really start hitting until the second half of the season. So, I think he said he didn't want to go through that again and just took the first offer that came that came around.
4: Yeah, and that was... In- uh, statistically, that was borne out across all the players who signed late last year. They all performed <laughs> poorly early in the season, pretty much universally. um And it's easy to understand why they can't properly prepare when they don't know where they're going to be. um And Gio Gonzalez, for example, said straight up the Yankees' offer that he got was the only offer that he got. That's a problem. And that is
1: crazy to me. Uh-huh. Like, that is absolutely, you know, Gio Gonzalez is not a superstar, and he doesn't, but he doesn't need to be like. The value of a guy who can be a league average pitcher every single year—that is—it's really easy to understate the value of that. It is so hard to find an average player, and 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 a lefty and healthy. Like that's—I mean—that's what's crazy is he's missed like something like six starts in ten years. It's really like the idea that Gio Gonzalez would get one lousy offer is it just so it For really team crystallizes what's wrong with with this whole situation
5: and it was basically a team who was desperate because the Yankees starting rotation was decimated if that didn't happen if Severino was still healthy would Gio Gonzalez have a job right now
1: Oh boy, the Yankees sure are having a Mets Lake spring, that's for oh, sure. Oh. Yeah, for real. You no, hate I'm to not see saying anything. No.
5: I don't want karma coming back. I'm not saying anything.
1: <laughs> oh, we're gonna get screwed over no matter
4: what. It doesn't
5: matter. True. true. We already have. We already
1: have.
4: We have two guys hurt already. Uh, that's true. There's probably gonna be more. Um but yeah, I mean, yeah, the fact that Gio Gonzalez didn't have an offer besides that the Yankees offered him is crazy. The fact that it took Adam Jones until like a week before the season to sign is wild. The fact that Curtis Granderson had to take an NRI is wild. And these are all things that, you know, you can... You can look at the Bryce Harper's and Manny Machado's of the world and say, like, they're fine. Look at what happened. They, all, they got the money that they were expected to get. But these problems permeate down and it affects the bottom more than it affects the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is exactly what could be fixed by, you know, getting having less control over these players early on, because then, you know, these, quote unquote, declining players um, don't end up without a job. Um, because they're not hitting free agency at a time that's uh, inconvenient for them. <laughs>
3: they're yeah. hitting
4: free agency during their prime when they should get valued as such. So that is, you know, a problem in baseball that needs to be fixed. Um, I mean, it's going to be ongoing. Uh, this, the CBA isn't up for a couple of years, but um, when they announced all the rule changes recently um for the next couple of years they also announced that they were reopening the CBA for negotiation early um which is in to my knowledge unprecedented i have never heard of that before no. i've heard of them reopening the cba for negotiation before it is up so um at least they seem to understand that this is a problem. At least baseball is exhibiting a certain amount of self-awareness. Um, whether that comes to any sort of conclusion, um, who knows. But stay tuned on that front, I suppose. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Wait and see, I guess.
4: Yeah. Um, so sort of um, to wrap things up, um, I we are going to do... Um, a segment that we're calling walk-off wins and this is how we're going to wrap up the show every week um and during this segment each of us is going to share something that made us happy this week that we can't stop thinking about um, it could be a baseball thing. It could be a not baseball thing. Um, but walk-off wins is all about what made us happy this week and what we can't stop thinking about. Um, so mine is baseball-related, and it is Mets-related. I figure i do my first walk-off win, have it be a Mets thing. Um, and it's an underrated story this spring, I think. And it's how Robinson Cano is beating the living crap out of the baseball. Um, and it's very exciting to me because watching Robinson Cano swing the bat is basically a religious experience. Um, it's about as a perfect a left-handed swing as you will find anywhere in baseball. Um And, you know, a lot of people criticized the trade when it happened because Robinson Cano is 36 years old. Um He's still got five years, $100 million or so left to be paid. Um A lot of people were not happy that the Mets were sort of, quote, hamstrung by the back end of that contract. But I don't know. I'm pumped to have Cano on the team. I think he can still give us a lot people were wary he was coming off the um ped suspension um but it seems like in spring he's raking and i'm really pumped about that um and i'm also pumped that ahmed rosario has a mentor that's not named jose reyes That's the reason why I'm pumped also, because um, it seems like the two have been inseparable all spring training. And it seems like Cano has had a really positive effect on Rosario. Rosario is having a great spring himself or whatever that is worth. Um, If that has anything to do with Cano, who the heck knows. Um, But it seems like he's been a really positive influence on Rosario and others in the clubhouse. And I'm just really excited to have Robinson Cano on the Mets.
1: Yeah, same here. Go
4: Kano. <laughs> yeah, you won't get any arguments from me either, especially
5: him and Conforto back-to-back. How pretty are those swings?
1: Whew, it's going to be a nice top of the order, y'all. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, good. that's a good one, two, three, four, five, maybe six. Six? We'll see.
4: Yeah, it's nice. Um, And, you know, I, I kind of like the Pete Alonso hitting second thing. Like, I know that that's wild, but I kind of like it. It breaks up all the left at the top of the order. I kind of like it. Um, And that's also an exciting one through four if it's Alonzo up there in this Um, two-hole. They have a lot of options and a lot of pretty lefty swings on this team. (laughs) Mm
5: -hmm. And Conforto and Nimmo both uh, left the yard off a lefty. So who said they couldn't hit lefties? Whoop
4: whoop! Yep.
1: (laughs) So I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction with my first walk-off win. Um, So I want to take this moment to just say happy birthday to my baby girl, Eleanor, who uh, turns two today. And, you know, she is just, she's a huge burgeoning baseball fan. And I feel very, I feel very invested in this obsession transferring because I learned to love baseball from my mom and it just feels, it feels right. But, um, you know, and I'm, and I'm not going to turn, I'm not going to turn this into the, Maggie Parenting Hour but like (laughs) you know I just have to take a minute to say that like watching baseball with kids is just an incredible experience it just takes you so much out of the things that are really easy to get frustrated by and it they're so excited there's so much positivity and it's it's just it's just always a treat it just really um reorients you towards the things about the game that are fun no matter what so the crowd and the 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 food and the cheers and it it just kind of makes you feel like a kid again so um so happy birthday ellie i'm very excited to get her back to city at the end of the month and yeah that's that's my walk-off win
5: Well, happy birthday ellie
4: Happy birthday, Ellie. I'm so excited that you picked the right baseball team to root for.
5: Yes. rocking (laughs) the blue and orange. (laughs) All right. Well, for my walk-off win, I'm choosing probably maybe the big story from the week, which is uh, Ichiro finally saying goodbye after 17 years, I think. Or it might even be longer than that. Uh, 2001. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean and I could only say I got chills, goosebumps, feeling all the emotions when all the mariners walked off the field, so he had the moment to himself, uh, in his home country, um, and just to see just what he meant to to the people of Japan. And he was a pioneer for them. He opened doors um for people like Shohei Otani. Um and the, the, all of baseball was better because each played it um I mean all of the stats um you know he's clearly a first ballot hall of famer uh, I don't think there's any doubt i mean you could even make an argument that he should be unanimous um we'll have to wait and see if that actually happens but um but then to see like the connection like King Felix giving him a hug and um. D Gordon giving him a hug. And then there's Griffey, you know. Uh, Just, like, it was kind of a passing of the torch, even back then. Like, it was Griffey's team, then it became Ichiro's team. And then when he came in 2001, he just, you know, he was the MVP and the Rookie of the Year, like, right away. Like, he was just so dynamic, and he was so fun to watch. And, you know, it was a well-deserved send-off for Ichiro. And, of course... I noticed there was also Jay Bruce there, and he was also there for (laughs) David Wright's last game, (laughs) which was just kind of a weird connection. Um, But um, And then, of course, you know, just Ichiro's personality just seemed he was able to connect with fans and, you know, baseball is a universal language. Um, so he was able to connect to fans all over, and he made fans all over. And I think that was obvious from just everybody who played with him had nothing but nice things to say. And um, so thank you to Ichiro for making baseball exciting, and um, wish him luck in whatever his next endeavor is going to be. And also thank you for the who the f is Tom Brady. (laughs) (laughs) Ichiroism. <laughs> <laughs> when he got a text from, from a random number and he didn't know who it was and he was like oh who the F is Tom Brady so thank you to Ichiro for even somehow ignoring Tom Brady
4: <laughs> we should all be more like Ichiro yes yeah. Be like Ichiro, that's a mantra that I think we can all live by. Uh, my favorite Ichiro moment is when um, he was asked what he would do after he retired, and he said, I think I'll just die. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Yo, I feel that, I feel like, that.
1: No baseball that feels very millennial, it to does. Me. does,
4: even though he's not a millennial, but I it know. does. I feel like he understood us. He understood us before we understood us. <laughs> so my, he's understood.
1: my favorite Ichiro moment has got to be um, when he learns Spanish for trash talking. And he's not even like conversational in it, but he knows how to trash talk. And I just think that is a very admirable set of priorities in life um, to be able to trash talk fluently in three languages like that is hashtag life
4: goals
5: it really is not there will never be another Ichiro he's he set the standard and I don't think anybody's ever gonna live up to it
4: no that's true there there has never been I mean there have been many great baseball players many iconic baseball players hall of fame baseball players but I don't think there has ever been a more universally beloved player than Ichiro
5: across the whole game yeah, like, what blows my mind is he has 3,000 hits, over 3,000 hits, and he didn't come over until he was 27 years old. Like, yeah. that, that that just, that blows my mind.
1: It's... Did y'all catch um, Francesca Francesca not knowing that? Yes. <laughs> that was a pretty, it was like, yeah, he didn't even have 3,000 hits in the U.S. Oh, oh, wait, he did? Yeah, like, you he can't didn't even. play long enough. Why? you <laughs> can't even pretend not to adore Ichiro you can't even make up things about him to make him less lovable
5: no yep. I mean that every stat is just mind-blowing and I'm sure there's probably even more like if you do a deep dive into his page I'm sure you'll discover something that's like really he did that and it'll also make total sense because it's Ichiro
1: yeah something yep. like what do you Seven straight seasons of 200 hits. Some ludicrous number. Yeah.
4: And
5: did 10 all-star games. 10 gold gloves. Like he literally did it all.
4: Yep. 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 Ichiro is the best. Long, li- long live Ichiro um whatever he does in uh next in this next stage of his life will be better for it because Ichiro is part of it so um as baseball fans we are all deeply grateful to what Ichiro brought to the game and you know what he did to pave the way for players like him for the Shohei Otanis for the Kikuchi's, for um all the players like him um you know, it's it's really something something incredibly special. Um, and I'm happy to have witnessed even part of his career. So um, it's, I mean, it's been great. Think about it. There's a whole
5: generation of fans who don't know baseball yeah. without Ichiro.
4: Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah. Like, there are people who are like almost adults now <laughs> who, oh. whose entire life has been baseball with Ichiro oh
5: <laughs> yeah. i mean i i feel old but that's still also amazing
4: yep yep i mean i barely remember baseball before Ichiro, because i'm 28 and so like in 2001 i was 11 and so like i was that was like when my baseball fandom kind of like really took took a it kicked into high gear basically um, was those like late 90s early 1000s Mets teams with like Piazza mm-hmm. and that era of baseball and that was like when Ichiro w- was coming was coming over so you know it's kind of it, it's kind of true that my entire adult life Ichiro has been a part of the game yeah same so
0: step into the world of power loyalty
1: Um, All right, well, I, before all of us start to break down at the thought of a life without Ichiro, um, I do have some exciting news, which is something we're doing for our listeners as a thank you to our listeners and as a way to celebrate the launch of the podcast. We are giving away a free copy of the out of the park baseball computer game. So for your chance to win, you just have to follow us on Twitter and that's at a pod of their own, and retweet our pinned tweet. And everyone who does that by midnight on opening day will be entered to win this giveaway. So y'all should do that. Yay! Yay,
4: free things! Follow us for free things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the- editor's note, this might be the only free thing. <laughs> uh,
4: you know, maybe the only free thing. Shh. Um. Anyway... Thank you all so much for listening to this very first episode of A Pod of Their Own. We are so excited about this new podcast, and we hope you'll be tuning in every week during the regular season to hear about all things Mets from us um, and hear about all things baseball from us and about what's making us happy every week. Um, so please, please, please go to Avenue.com for more Mets related content. We're wrapping up our season preview series um, of all the different players on the Mets, um, and we're also doing uh, more bulk previews of each. Each chunk of the team, the pitching staff, the infield, the outfield, etc. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. Um, You can find this podcast and all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow all of us individually on Twitter. I am at PetitePhD. I am at Maggie162.
5: And I am at Linda LindaSarvich.
4: So always remember, Mets fans, there is no crying in podcasting and